From the banks of the Colorado River in Lake Mead to the homes and businesses in Southern Nevada, welcome to Water Smarts, the podcast pumping from the heart of Las Vegas, where we engage with the experts who keep the water flowing throughout Southern Nevada. I'm Bronson Mack. And I'm Crystal Zelke. From how we treat it, deliver it, use it, protect it, and conserve it, the Water Smarts podcast is all about water in Southern Nevada. We hope to make you a little smarter about the one thing that keeps us all connected, water. Hey, Crystal, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Bronson. You know what I'm going to talk about next, though. We're going to talk about the weather a little bit? Always, because, you know, I just can't help but complain when we reach 105 degrees or higher. (laughs) Well, it is so crazy. I mean, the weather really does have implications for us when it comes to water use and water resources. I mean, we are here at the height of summer right now well over 100 degrees every single day going forward. And as a result of that, this is when we see our peak water use, not just here in the valley, but also within the Colorado River Basin. So right now, those water demands on Lake Mead, not just here in Las Vegas, you've got Arizona, California, the country of Mexico, they too are seeing their water demands increase because it is summer. Also, the irrigators for agriculture 80% of the river goes to agriculture, and so those agricultural demands are at their peak right now. That's why we've seen Lake Mead, or one reason why we've seen Lake Mead really decline pretty quickly this summer. The other aspect there, though, is that the Bureau of Reclamation is holding some water back in Lake Powell to help keep water levels up there. So there's been less water released down to Lake Mead. We're going to have an upcoming episode to talk about that. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about summer watering, what to do with your landscape in watering in the summer. How's how's your landscape doing, Crystal? You know, it's actually not bad. I'll tell you what, my lantana is growing like crazy. I swear, every time you trim those, like in a month, it is just out of control. My landscape looks okay so far. It's It's not hurting right now. Lantanas are certainly a hardy little plant. I think the thing I like about those most is that you can get lots of different color varieties for the flowers. And those flowers, when they bloom, they last a long time. So it really gives you some sustained color within your landscape. And today to talk to us about how to water your landscape and your yard during these dog days of summer and why those mandatory watering restrictions are so important, we have with us Doug Bennett, Conservation Manager for the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Doug, you know I love talking to you. You're not just a conservation expert, a certified horticulturist. You seem to know everything about how to maintain plants here in this desert environment. Doug, welcome back to the Water Smarts Podcast. Hey, Bronson and Crystal. I'm glad to be here. Doug, it's heating up in Southern Nevada, and we're now under the summer seasonal watering restrictions, which are in effect until August 31st. Before we talk about how much people can and should water their landscapes, can you just talk to us about why outdoor irrigation plays such an important role in our water resource picture? A lot of people don't realize, but the vast majority of water that comes into the Las Vegas Valley is going to be used irrigating ornamental plants. The plants in our yards, in our shopping centers, our parks, our open spaces. So it's important that we focus on that because it's the primary consumer of our water resources. And when you look at water resources, we're focused on the outdoor water use because water is typically allocated in the West based on what's called consumptive use. How much water did you take from the natural source 
that you were never able to return back to the same source. And in our valley, a lot of people do now know that when we use water indoors, we take that water from the Colorado River, we treat it, we clean it, we deliver it to homes and businesses, uh, we use it inside of those buildings, it exits via the sewer, it gets cleaned and treated again, and it can be returned to the Colorado River, and that's not consumptive use, right? So that, that's a good thing. It's like a big loop system. But when we use water outdoors, it's 100% consumptive. And landscape irrigation dominates that equation. There are a few other things, swimming pools, anything that's evaporating water is going to, to also be consumptive. And cooling, a lot of cooling on very large buildings is done with water-based cooling towers, and that's another impact to our water resources. But the big ticket item is all the landscaping that we have around us. It's good to note that, that there's the difference between the indoor and outdoor, and that's why we put so much emphasis on outdoor watering, and especially in the summertime when it's hot out and water evaporates even more. So the summer watering restrictions are actually really easy to follow. Don't water between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and never water on Sunday. Basically, you can water in any day of the week in the summer except Sundays and in the middle of the day when it's the hottest and sometimes the windiest here in the valley. Doug, can you explain why landscapes may not need water every day in the summer and some landscapes may actually do better with less? Yeah, it's a lot of people overwater their landscapes. In fact, we did some research in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, and we found that lawns are typically overwatered by 40%. And we also found that even drip-irrigated landscapes, trees and shrubs can be over-irrigated. And a lot of times it, it's just simply a matter of people trying to convert minutes into gallons. And, you know, there's just a lot of complexity in trying to figure out what's going on beneath the ground. The first thing we want to do is steer people toward the right kinds of plants. So obviously if we get plants that are more adapted to our desert climate. They're going to need less frequent watering. So choosing the right plants makes all the difference. And people need to know that lawns are the thirstiest plants we could possibly have. If you're going to have a lawn, make sure that you have a really good reason for having it. Because even if it's just a limited fraction of your landscape, it could easily make up more than half of all your outdoor water use. So sprinklers are not, even if it looks like everything's working okay, they are truly not very efficient. They're supposed to be arranged so that they're kind of painting the lawn area with a very even layer of water, but they don't do that very well. And you introduce even just a few miles per hour of wind into that equation, and the water's just going everywhere besides where it needs to go. So we don't want people to water in the middle of the day when it's likely we're going to have those convective desert winds as the ground heats up. We try to steer it toward the cooler parts of the day, ideally early morning hours if you can. And if not, in the evening hours would be the alternative. Generally speaking, I would say the drip irrigated landscape should only be irrigated about one half to one third as often as you would water a lawn. So if you have both and your lawn waters six days a week in the summer, you might only be watering your drip irrigated landscape twice per week during the summer months. But you're going to water it longer. Another common mistake is, you know, we recommend to people that they not water more than 12 minutes per day with their fixed sprinkler systems. But it's a big mistake to think that 12 minutes on a drip system is going to keep a plant alive. We actually need longer run times so that we can thoroughly saturate the, uh, the soil around that plant so that the plant can go those longer periods of time between irrigation. So, Doug... It's also important that you go out into your yard on a regular basis and look around a little bit, take a little bit of inventory on what's going on. And the reason is that 
you could have a broken sprinkler head or an emitter head that is popped off and is just sort of spraying all over the place. And you wouldn't know it unless you go out there and see it. And that could result in a water waste fine. So it is certainly a good idea to go out there and check your irrigation system. Give it a look while it's running. Tell us what some of the causes are when it comes to water waste and how property owners can avoid it. So everybody's seen water waste, right? Water waste is uh, when somebody's watering their yard or something's broken, like you mentioned, and the water is escaping the property, going out into the gutter and running down the street. And that can be a violation. If something's broken, the agencies are going to give you a notice to repair it promptly. Things happen, and we understand that. We just need it to be attended to very quickly. But go out and turn things on. It may not be as as properly adjusted as, as you would think. Typically, we're recommending that people do, if they have a lawn, that they do three cycles of four minutes each. And I think people still need more help in understanding the concept of cycle and soak. We have, I don't even know if I should call them soils in the Las Vegas Valley. We have atrocious soil conditions. And in the neighborhoods where we live, we've added compaction to that in the construction process. So often plants are being planted in soils that do not have a lot of capacity to allow the water to infiltrate. And sprinkler systems put down water like a heavy rainstorm. They don't look like it, but they are. They're putting on that water very quickly. And if you water for too many minutes at once, you're going to have water sheeting off the front yard of a house, going into the street and running down the street. And that truly is water waste. And if you haven't been contacted before, you'll get a warning for that. But then you'll start getting a fine for that. In all likelihood, if you don't attend to it, you are going to get fined for it because the investigators are going to come back over and over again to see if it's been dealt with. So that's why we say water for just four minutes at a time and then wait an hour and then water another four minutes. And your sprinkler controller has built in the capability of doing that. So when you go to start times, you might say, I want to start time at 4 a.m. and I want zone one to run for four minutes. And then I want to start time at 5 a.m. for four minutes. And I want to start time at 6 a.m. for four minutes. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to apply the water at a rate at which it has the ability to infiltrate into the lawn area and to fill the soil up so that the lawn is getting the full benefit of the water without having it run off into the street. Another thing that you might see in your sprinkler system that causes waste, if you ever have a drip emitter come off, we've all seen this at the grocery store in a parking lot, a tiny black tube, plastic tube, shooting water 15 or 20 feet, right? And that usually indicates that you have too much pressure. And that can happen in sprinkler systems too. If when your sprinkler system runs, it looks like fog or almost like something's on fire, it looks like smoke rising up, you have too much pressure. And that pressure is really hard on all the systems that you use to water your plants, and it wastes a lot of water. So look for those kinds of things too. You can find a lot of help online, but you can also consult the professional. There are a lot of people in the Valley, water smart contractors, for example, that have skills to be able to come in, identify those problems and help you find solutions. And also, just as a quick reminder, if you see water waste anywhere, if you are going to the grocery store and you see that emitter and the tubes spitting out the water everywhere, you should report that. And you do that through your water purveyor. And if you don't know who that is, if it's the Las Vegas Valley Water District or Henderson, North Las Vegas, you can go to snwa.com 
and search up water waste and there will be a list of the agencies that you can report your water waste to. You can find out which one is yours. Right. And if you think you, you know, if it happens to be in front of a small business or in front of a neighbor's home, simple thing is just to say, hey, I don't know if you know, there might be a problem in your irrigation system. Most people appreciate that. Doug, I think the last time you were here, you talked about the different water needs that grass and plants have because they really shouldn't be treated the same. Grass needs about 55 gallons more water per square foot than a water smart landscape on drip irrigation. Is that about right? That's right. The, the grass will use about four times as much water on a per square foot basis than drip irrigated plants, shrubs, ground covers, and trees. And that's why we encourage people to convert turf areas or lawn areas into drip irrigated plant areas because we see a 75% savings in that consumptive water use. And we also have a rebate for that. We'll pay you $3 per square foot to take any of those underutilized lawn areas and convert them into beautiful water efficient plantings. So just give us a call or log on online, snwa.com and sign up for the program. Well, grass uses 75% more water than drip irrigated plants and trees, and that really is a huge difference. And it can also have an impact on your water bill, especially in the summer when you water more often as a result of the summer heat. Doug, you mentioned the WaterSmart Landscapes rebate program and the cash incentive to replace that water-thirsty grass with drip-irrigated trees and shrubs and plants. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the program and how property owners can qualify for that rebate? Well, the rebate program is going to pay you on a per-square-foot basis to convert underutilized lawn areas into drip-irrigated planted areas. So a lot of people will realize that the, the only time they're walking on their lawn, they're doing lawn maintenance or pushing a lawn mower. They're looking at it. It's just become an aesthetic enhancement. They're not utilizing it the way a lawn truly should be utilized for its water footprint. And if that's the case, then we know that there are more than 500 beautiful plants that you can use in a water efficient landscape. So there's some pretty simple requirements. The first one is to apply to the program before you demolish anything. So we need to send somebody out. We're going to take some photographs. We'll take some measurements because we need to know how large of a rebate your property is going to qualify for. At that time, we can also answer your questions, give you some insights, and steer you toward other resources, either online or classes that we may be offering and other sources that will answer some of your questions about landscaping, gardening, finding a contractor. Once you've been approved and we've done that inspection, you have up to one year to do the conversion. And so you're going to take out the turf grass and the sprinklers, and then you are going to implement drip irrigation or low volume irrigation and other plantings. And sometimes people ask us, I thought we were trying to save water. Why do I need plants? We're in an urban heat island, and having those plants is vitally important, not just for the aesthetics of your yard, but having trees, shrubs, vines, ground cover, all of that shade production, all of that greenery can be very useful to making our neighborhoods not only more attractive, but more livable and cooler. So we want to make sure the plants go back into the project. What we're looking for is that when those plants are mature, they're going to produce at least 50% living plant cover in those landscaped areas. After you've done your project, all you need to do is give us a call. Let us know you're finished. We'll come out. We'll do another inspection. And then you'll get a check pretty darn quickly as government agencies go. I think people have gotten used to things moving quite slowly. But we're usually getting people their check within just a few weeks after they finish their project. 
And that is true. And I can attest to that because I have a WaterSmart irrigation controller and we have a rebate for that. I can check my irrigation system from the comfort of my couch. I don't have to go out to the garage, which I know sounds like it doesn't take a lot of effort. But for some people, it really is too much to go out in the garage, wade through the mess and get to their irrigation clock. And it's nice too. Go ahead. Yeah, and if it makes you feel better, Crystal, a lot of people's garage is a little bit messy, right? We even those of uh, even those few that are well organized, they've got shelving, they've got stuff hanging on the walls, right? It's not easy to go in there. The lighting's not always great, and so the idea of being able to be sitting on your sofa and then see an advertisement on TV that reminds you that the watering schedules are changing, be able to pull out your phone and deal with it right on the spot. That's the pleasant side of having one of those smart controllers. Oh, exactly. I mean, it really is convenient to be able to use those smart irrigation clocks. Being able to set that through your smartphone, that really is a convenience factor that can't be overlooked. And I mean, if you're at work and it starts to rain, you can actually control your irrigation system, shut off that irrigation system from the comfort of your workplace. You don't have to go home and out to that garage. So, Doug, what else should people keep in mind this summer when they're out there in their yards? Is there any advice that you'd give someone about, you know, doing their best to save water? You know, one of the most important things is if you do have a lawn and you have a sprinkler system, it's it's really important to make sure that it's in good condition. I don't think people realize, but the a single sprinkler head can put out more water in one minute than two shower heads, right? So we're all tuned into how long members of our family are in the shower and how much hot water is being used. But people kind of lose sight of how much water goes out from a sprinkler system. And if you have a broken head or a missing nozzle, that sprinkler head can go from four gallons of water per minute to almost 20 gallons of water per minute. If something misaligned, a sprinkler head that's kind of got become errantly turned in the wrong direction, you got to keep an eye out for that. That's certainly wasting water, but a lot of people won't even notice until the turf grass starts to die off from lack of water. Something that's kind of fun. I think it's fun because I'm into this. I'm like a water nerd. But kind of a fun project is find six tin cans that all have the same diameter. It doesn't matter how tall they are, as long as the opening in the can is all the same size for all six cans. Collect those six cans, put them out on a lawn area, and the next time your sprinkler system runs, go out and look in those cans to see how evenly the water was applied. And you're going to find that some of those cans hardly have any water in them, and some of them have an awful lot of water in them relative to others. That is an indicator of how inefficient your sprinkler system is. And it's those weak spots that drive the schedule. The weak spot is where you're going to start get the grass drying up, and people are going to want to turn up the watering time, and that's going to use a ton of water. And the better thing to do is go out and make more adjustments to your sprinkler system. Some great information online about how to do that, how to choose the right nozzles, how to look for problems. All the major manufacturers have some great online resources to help guide you there. Being in tune with your plants, even your drip irrigated plants, it's important to go out and periodically make sure that all the drip emitters are working, right? These are big investments. We want your plants to live. And so it's important to go out and make sure the emitters haven't become clogged. None of the plants look stressed. And then another thing that I find is challenging for a lot of people 
Drip systems are, they're easy to work with. They're very forgiving, but it's hard to determine how many emitters of what size should go on which plant. And then the plants are growing bigger all the time. As they grow bigger, they might need more and more water. And so sometimes people will turn up the water because one plant appears to be struggling, even though all the other plants look fine. So instead of turning it up for the entire backyard or front yard, let's go figure out why that one plant is struggling. Does it need a larger emitter? Does it need an additional emitter? Does it have a clogged emitter? I know on a hot day, nobody wants to go out to march around in their yard too much. But the more in tune you can be with spending a little bit of quality time out in your yard, looking at the plants, inspecting things, turning on your system just for a test and a visual inspection, that all really pays off in water savings. I really like the tin can challenge. That sounds like something I can make my kids do. (laughs) Sounds like it's a good thing for all kids to do and learn because they're going to be the next ones taking care of us here in Southern Nevada. Doug, as always, you're a wealth of information and and great to have here on the Water Smarts podcast. Thanks for joining us again and well, making us a lot smarter about water here in Southern Nevada. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Do you have thirsty grass? Well, you're in luck. The Southern Nevada Water Authority is giving you cash for your grass. Convert your useless lawn to Water Smart Landscaping and receive a cash rebate from the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Start saving water and money today by visiting snwa.com. SNWA is a not-for-profit water agency. Well, Crystal, it always is good to have Doug come and visit us here on the Water Smarts podcast. I really enjoy talking to him. I got to say, I'm pretty fortunate in the sense that I get to interact with Doug rather frequently. You know, he has always taken the time to educate me, keep me up to speed on things, and also given me tips that I can turn around and we can push back out to the community when it comes to efficient water use, especially with our landscaping. Yeah, that's so true. And it's all of this are just good reminders of all the things that we need to be doing in the summertime. And also, we didn't really touch on this part of it during the podcast, but it's monsoon season here in Southern Nevada. And while we have had some in the past where we don't get a whole lot of rain, if you get rain any day, that's a trigger to turn off your irrigation. Just let Mother Nature do it. Save yourself a little money and save our community some water. That is a great point because when we all turn off our irrigation systems, when it does rain, when we get those monsoons, we are talking about millions of gallons of water that are saved just in one day by us all performing one simple act, turning off that irrigation system, just like you said, Crystal, letting Mother Nature do that watering. One more kind of interesting thing, talked a little bit about drip irrigation. At my home, I only have drip. I don't have any grass anymore. And I still have my drip irrigation system running three days a week in the middle of summer. I've got a mix of mature plants and I've got a mix of relatively new plants that have been in the ground only for about a year or so. And uh, they are all doing very, very well on that three day a week schedule, even in the middle of summer. So keep that in mind. And don't forget, September 1st, we will make the change going to the fall watering schedule. That's where we all need to change our sprinkler clock to three days a week. And it is important that September 1st, we make that change. 
We have demonstrated your landscape will do fine. Keep in mind, although it is still hot in September, the nights are a lot cooler. Those overnight temperatures drop down. Also, the angle of the sun is a little bit different too. I know it's getting a little technical, but it does make a difference that there isn't as much sunlight radiating. So your landscape will do fine three days a week. Don't forget to change that sprinkler clock September 1st. Well, that's it for this episode of the Water Smarts Podcast. We hope that you will tune in and listen next time. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have a question that you would like us to ask one of our guests on the program, please send that to watersmarts at snwa.com. That's the email address, watersmarts at snwa.com. We'll give it a review and you might even hear your question on the next episode. We'll see you here next time on Water Smarts.